Hey, 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 guys, it is Allison. I am the host of your show, Allison Answers Mission Awake. I cannot wait to sit down with you today and go over how we are going to crush the mediocrity in your life that has been plaguing our society since the beginning of time. I cannot wait to have a real deal conversation that includes intelligence, fun, excitement, and real actionable steps to make a real difference in the life that you're living now and making it into something you can be damn proud of and excited to live. Sit down, put on your damn seatbelt, and get ready for the ride of your life. Hey, 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 guys, how are you today? I have a guest on our show today that is not only a badass woman and business owner and human being, she is a good friend. And we became good friends by being in an elite group called Arate. And through incremental interactions with one another, I just was able to just watch who she is as a person and really grow to really love her as a human being through her vulnerability and uh, her strength and her power. So there's so much to Angela, and I'm going to explain her in a more formal way, which I do. And I hate doing, you all know, I hate this part because I love (laughs) to just be natural, but it's important to show where Angela's been and you just so much about her. So the guest today is Angela Bradford. And Angela is a senior marketing director with World Financial Group. Over six years of transitioning, she's spent over six years of transitioning from, get this shit, wait till you hear this, blue collar work. Guess, guess what she did? <laughs> I don't hear anyone talking, so I'll, so I'll tell them. Uh, blue collar work at world of trucking and training horses. Like, is that unbelievable? Okay, so let's just, okay. To the white collar world of finance. I mean, amazing. And training human beings. I don't think there's much difference between training horses and human beings, but that's no. an aside. Probably not. <laughs> the side, side hustle there. Oh, it's a total, like she's trained in training, right? <laughs> All right, let's go. Okay, so she has opened multiple offices and started expansion into two countries, which is amazing. She has an amazing team working with her and has a goal of having agents in every state and province in North America within the next five years. So there's no question that Angela is, in terms of the business world, very, very successful. But the reason that I even have Angela on the show is because we talk a lot about overcoming and how anybody who's listening to this show, it doesn't matter who you are, physically, emotionally, spiritually, your age, your gender, your physical looks, your education level, you can totally create the life you want. And that is our message at all times. And I don't want anybody to ever forget it. So that's why Angela's here. She's going to tell you about her, her backstory, her struggles, and her unbelievable triumphs again and again in her life. So Angela, I'm happy you're here. Can you tell, yes. Can you tell everybody who's listening, just kind of like how you got here? What is the, what's the story behind what we see today? Sure. A couple things, I guess. So growing up, I was homeschooled. So I'll add that in there. And it was really a good thing, but I was homeschooled. And then I went into, yeah, a school bus driving, horse training, truck driving, and everything blue collar, built houses, all of the stuff. And then 
in 2015, I got introduced to World Financial Group. I thought, well, I could start part-time. So I started part-time, ended up quitting trucking um, in 2016, came full-time. And, you know, and now we're building across Canada, across the U.S. It's an absolutely an, an incredible uh, journey of learning about leadership and learning how to lead people. They are different than horses in that sense. And you can't you gotta kind of make horses do things. You can't make people do things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Quite a transition there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of like the, the cookie cutter, like, here's where we're at. Here's what we're doing. Um, and, you know, that kind of, I guess, short, short in form. And then we can dig into wherever. Oh, you, we're digging. We think we're digging dead. in. Yeah. Perfect. like, this I is what it. I want to know. So, okay. Cause I, I think I kind of knew you were homeschooled and I'm not going to dig too far into it, but it, perks me up because I homeschool my kids. So <laughs> I know the life and um, I'm just so curious, like, you know, that that's awesome. And there's struggles in that, of course, but mm-hmm. what I want to understand is like, so you were into like all of these like blue collar things. How did you make the transition into this white collar world? And are you still blue collar at heart? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I would say to a degree, yeah, definitely. Even though there's been a lot of deeper transitions, a white collar, blue collar, really, I guess the biggest thing is there really is no difference as far as like inside, there's no difference. If you're a hard worker, it doesn't matter what you put in front of someone, they're going to work hard at whatever it is, whether it's pounding nails or talking on a computer like we are now, um, whatever it is, we, okay. you know, it's, it's the same heart, it's the same thoughts. Um, what homeschooling really did for me was teach me work ethic. And that was probably the best things. My dad left for about a year. Um, as I remember growing up, there was some drugs involved and all of that kind of stuff. He's back. Praise God. He's amazing. They've been married 50 something years now. Wow. My, mom, my mom and him. It's really cool. But while he left, we were, we were really struggling. We had no money. We were broke. Um, and mom was still homeschooling us. So we, we care took apartments. And I remember at seven, I was like looking after an apartment building. So every Monday I had to clean like three stories outside, like back entrance, front entrance, and to make the bread from scratch, we ground the flour, we did the whole thing and do the laundry. And I was seven. And that's what I had to do every Monday. And, you know, I shouldn't say how to, I got to, I mean, that was, that was how we survived. And I just remember like learning obviously work ethics through that. But what I also learned was I was a terrible child. I had a very bad redheaded temper. And I used to throw temper tantrums. Like you wouldn't believe, try to call for social services to get me away. Thankfully, no one ever called social services and they didn't take me away because my mom is an absolute angel. Um, She's incredible. She's my best friend. But I did learn work ethic and I learned, yeah, how how to work through adversity and also saw my mom, I guess, conquer a lot. Looking back, conquer a lot. And I saw an amazing role model of that. You know, you can conquer absolutely anything if you put your mind to it. That's an amazing story. I did not know. I mean, I don't know who would know if when you look at a person and you see that that person at seven years old was doing the kind of work that you're doing. It's just incredible. I feel like our society has so much difficulty with work ethic now, mm-hmm. and it's you know such a striving to be comfortable. And I, you know, mm-hmm. for damn sure, at seven, that was not comfortable. No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? And in a way, like, you know, when you're describing yourself as this redhead, you know, like hot blooded, you know, child, whatever, I, I can't help it. I'm thinking, well, she had unexpressed feelings and she had a lot that she had to work through. This is what I'm thinking. <laughs> right, right. You know, I'm like, yeah. oh, no, there's stuff in there. She was upset. And um, so but I'm not going to do that to you. But that's like what <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm like, because you're like, oh, she's a bad kid. I'm like, 
just so everybody knows me, whenever I hear somebody say that they were a bad kid, I'm like, no, you're not in it, like your core is not bad. You were, you were True communicating story. something, right? I had some issues with communication. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's well, yes. Issues with communication. You had a lot to say. So yeah. I just want to like, you know, love that I little love that. girl in there. Yeah, it's true. So like, as you, you know, this, this is unbelievable. This, this depth of work ethic that was like embodied in you at such a young age. Mm-hmm. And I've watched you. I know what you do and you embody that now. You, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just going to ask, can you explain like part of, I mean, you've had some pretty heavy struggles, Angela, like big ones, you know, do you, I mean, would you like to share some of those? Oh man, there's been, I guess a lot. It's funny because it's all in perspective when you say big, yeah. once again, it's like bad kid. I'm like big compared to what? Yeah, I got it. <laughs> but I guess I've had some struggles for sure. I mean, like you said, everybody has, depending on what, what it is. One of my, my first struggles, obviously, I guess, dad, you know, dad leaving and not being around. I think that was obviously, I mean, that's influenced me a lot of I'm working through some of that stuff still, as you would know, as you're in counseling. Yeah. So we're working through some of that. That was huge. I learned, but I did learn the work ethic, you know, and I would get up super early. I started training horses uh, professionally at 17, 18, not with a lot of experience, by the way, I got bucked off a lot, but I would get up at like five in the morning to get my homework done by eight and I'd ride the rest of the day. And looking back, I mean, I don't know who a 15 year old gets up at four or five in the morning, exactly. do anything. So <laughs> from yeah. what I saw, but anyway, I would do that. So yeah, the work ethic. And then through that, you know, I got into the, the horse training and all that kind of stuff. I broke my back, had no idea, still riding cold three days later, um, broke my arm. Um, same thing was working, you know, still riding colts with the cast, you know, it's just that extreme, like just go. And then, but I, that, those to me weren't hard. I, I mean, they've affected me, obviously they still bother me, but they weren't hard things. One of my, my first, I had a couple things that I think of, if I think emotionally hard was my grandpa died. That was a really um, sad time for me. I really love my grandpa. He died from ALS. And um, that was, wow. that was kind of a sad funeral. I remember that, but I also know he went to heaven. He was very much of a Christian, very much knew where he was going. So I know he's in a better place. And so it was kind of a happy, sad spot, I guess, yeah. at the same time. And then, you know, when I, when I quit trucking or when I, yeah, when I quit trucking, the catalyst to get me out of trucking, I knew I had to quit. I knew I had to come full time into the financial services industry, but I didn't know how to tell my boss I was quitting. And then two weeks later, my dog got really sick, 13 and a half years. My best friend, she got an autoimmune disorder, funny enough. And, you know, within a day, that day, we put her down in Helena, Montana, on the road by myself, had to make a split decision to put her down. The vet station was closing. I had to decide. It was crazy. I just remember that was a, that was the hardest day of my life. I was bawling. It was emotionally challenging. But I knew in that moment that I had to quit trucking, and that was my get out. And God had brought that into my life. I'm not saying God killed my dog. No, I got that, it. That I circumstance it. happened because I needed a catalyst to get me out of where I was at and go into the next, the next phase. And I feel that was kind of her, her gift to me. Yeah. Like I said, it was emotional if I think about it. And then of course, you know, fast forward a few years later, I got, I got my own autoimmune disorder um, and I got diagnosed with MS and starting to try to rephrase how I'm saying it instead of as I have MS, as I had MS working on that. That's a whole different game. Yeah. But that was a huge effect. And that's still been you know, massive as far as like physically challenging, emotionally challenging for the last, well, since 2019 phase of my life. Um, some days, of course, stronger than others. And um, those, I would say those have been the biggest challenges of my life. 
as far as where I'm at right now. See, one of the things I've seen, so you said it was 2019, you had, you were diagnosed, um, you used to have MS. The thing that I have seen in you is that I've watched you do 75 hard, which if anybody doesn't know what that is, I'm actually doing it now. It's a, a program where you have to do um, five critical tasks, um, an indoor workout, 45 minutes, an outdoor workout, 45 minutes, and then several other things, which I won't go into. But I watched Angela at different events that Angela, with her physical difficulties, was just pushing through doing these two workouts every day. And you regularly are doing 75 hard, right? Well, I haven't done, I'm not doing 75 hard, but I am now at the gym five days a week, which is very exciting. I even went this morning here in Vegas. Um, so yeah, yeah. Making this happen now. I always see you like at the gym or whatever, you know, when we're at these events and like, you're always pushing through and like, you know, Angela, if you think about your life, if you, we just zoomed out and we just like looked at the story, I always ask people to like, look at it on a screen. If you were watching that little girl, like if any of us were watching that movie, I'm looking at that little girl, seven years old, cleaning this stuff, you know, doing the laundry. If we're looking, you know, at the girl training and the horses and the broken back and that just keeps pushing through and we, we could do a timeline, you know, I could make a really great cinematic production. I like this idea. Let's do it. No, but we could do it. Like picture it. Right. And now like your story is just an incredible story. And then you're, you know, now you get this diagnosis and you just never stop. How many people would have rolled over and showed their neck, right? I mean, isn't that, that's fact. Mm-hmm. You just don't do that. No. And th- something was born in you or that, you know, and what do you think that is? That's a spark of life in you that won't quit. Yes, there, there's, there's a few things and it's so true. I would say a few things because I've actually asked myself because I was doing 75 hard. I was had COVID. I was dealing with a lot. That was a rough go the one. And I just thought like, why can't I quit? I actually really dug deep because it was like, it was hard. And I was like, it'd be easier to quit, but I actually can't quit. I just physically can't let myself quit. Yeah. And so I was like, what is this? So part of it, I would say, um, going back to childhood was, like I said, my mom is amazing. And while I was definitely a, a hard child, to to raise however you want to word it don't Um, you say bad again yeah i won't say bad again she was absolutely incredible like i looked at what she went through with my my father with you know him leaving multiple times before i really remember and like because there's a lot of drugs they met through that that avenue way back in the you know hippie days but um you know just just seeing what she was and i remember one day when when dad was gone i remember looking out and she was in the ash pit and she had her clothes torn and She's there. And I looked at my brother. I'm like, mom's lost it. And um, anyway, what turns out is she was, you know, she was back from the book of Job and she was praying in sackcloth and ashes. And at some point in that whole thing, and I don't think that was that point, but she said there was a point where she was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And she says this, and you mean my mom, she's the meekest, mildest person you've ever met. But she's like, and you listen to her because she said, I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown and I decided I couldn't do it. So it. when you have that kind of blood running through you, and then also my dad, you know, he was on cocaine, he was on this stuff. And I know he doesn't mind me sharing this. And he decided one day to quit and come home and he came and came home and never touched again. And most people can't get out of, you know, however many years of drug and alcohol and all that stuff and just decide to quit and say, you know what, my family deserves me. 
and come back and be a totally different human. And, you know, that all came from, from God. I mean, we're a strong faith family. And I know that all of that stuff has come from the belief in the higher power. Dad came back because I remember mom prayed for him to come back. That was how she was led. Now, for some people, maybe it was divorced. Maybe yeah. like, you know, everyone's led differently. That's how she was led. And because she followed her leading, the strengths were there for her. Love that. And because we follow our leading, and for me, I believe strongly that because I'm following where I'm led, the strength is there for me for one more day one more hour, one more minute, sometimes one more second is all I need. And I know that the strength is there. And through the the last, like the MS, it really brought me literally to my knees um, some days. And, <laughs> and um, just to really like, Hey God, what do you have for me? You know, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Where's the strength coming from? Can you give me the strength for one more day? Can you give me the strength for one more hour so that I can fulfill the purpose? Because mom and dad named me Angela. And obviously, and interestingly, that's my middle name, but they wanted to call me Angela. And the reason they wanted to call me Angela is because it means God's messenger. It wasn't just because it happened to be Angela. It happens to mean that they wanted to name me Angela because it means God's messenger. And, you know, 2019, 2020 is when I really realized that's my purpose. Like I am a messenger put here for a purpose. I was a miracle child. My mom had four miscarriages. My brother's adopted. She was on complete bed rest for three months. Couldn't clean the house in order to, to give me life. And she became pregnant with me. My sister who lived a year at ICU passed away. Oh my so God. like I said, my family is the most amazing. I don't my grandparents or my great grandparents, but strong, strong family upbringing. And that's where I came into that world, you know, and, and I was here for a purpose and I'm here for a reason. And as a child, it was weird. I was suicidal, um, but not because I didn't like the world, but because I knew heaven was going to be greater. Like I became a Christian at three and I still remember that. And I just knew where I was going. I've always known where I'm going. And I just thought it'd be great to go there. Um, then I realized that was very selfish because, you know, people would have to find my body and I was not exactly a great thing. So decided not to do it. But I think in just seeing that and facing like death doesn't scare me, that stuff doesn't scare me. So like, but what does what does make me scared now, I guess, um, paralysis used to scare me, to be honest, doesn't anymore, I guess, because I have feelings of it now through the MS. Um, but I mean, now it just scared me to look back on my life. And Ed Milet talks about this in a very easy way to understand, but look back and be like, man, you didn't reach your full potential. You weren't the ultimate person. And every day, I just, like I said, I just pray for the strength to get through one more day and some days more than others and just be that best version of me. You know, everything that you said, I could have, we could have went down a whole, we could do a whole conference on, honestly, because it's so powerful. Like, I'm going to try and talk about a couple of the things you said so I can do it well. But the one thing is the decision. Decision is a power move. You know, even neurologically, because that's like faith. It's like ultimate faith. Like if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, once you decide something and marry that decision, like you can even see in somebody's brain that the neuron clusters are competing for who's who's firing the most. And it's a, it's almost like a little battle of um, strong firing and inhibition. And when the decision is made, all of that. Uh, firing stops and it's winner takes all. And our, our brain is a goal-driven machine. 
And it's almost like you were born. And then the other thing you said, you were like, you were born into overcomers. You were born into people wrestling through, you know, like despair, difficulty into triumph. It's so funny because that's a big thing in my book. And I'm not trying to plug my book. I swear to God. Oh, I love plug your I book. Away. Not, but I'm, I'm not, excited. but I'm just saying, I'm excited no, for it. No, but I'm just saying, like, that is such a big thing. Like, because that creates muscle almost like you know that the struggling through it is the thing that creates you. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the thing that that God uses to make the depth of who you are. So mm-hmm. what would you say on those days that are so I know you have them. I have them. I cry. I cry often, by the way. Um, so <laughs> I like I'm like, oh, my God, I can't get through this moment. <laughs> what am I going to do? And like everything <laughs> feels like a crisis. And then you're like, it's not. Okay. So I'm okay. Like, and so the big thing you said something, and then I want to ask you this, that I feel like anything, when we start to get panicked or upset or whatever, it's because we're not in the now because Mm -hmm. the now is safe. Oh, you said, I used to be afraid of paralysis, but now I'm not because I have a little bit of it. And I thought, because you're in it, if you're in something, we're safe. In the, we're safe in the moment that we're in. All fear yeah. is future-based. It's worrying about True. what could happen. So t- tell us about your hard days and what you do to, to make them better. Good. I just had one recently, actually. So I'm in Vegas. Um, and if anyone's been to Vegas, there's a lot of walking involved in Vegas, even when I'm trying not to do a lot of walking. Um, and there's a lot of walking. So like I had to go down and get some, you know, sunscreen and it's like a 13 minute walk and which, you know, used to sound so short and for me, that's not so short. And so I did the walk, I got my stuff, I got back and I was just like, I was like, I'm so tired and I'm just like, I'm done. And I was like, this is so crazy. Like I am so weak. God is so strong, but I'm so weak. And at times, and I was like, this just sucks. Like I had one of those moments and I was like, I was crying a bit. I'm like, first of all, you know, I'm single. I'm like, who'd want to be with this? Like, who'd want to, like, I go through that, right? And I know that's a not a helpful path, but that's what I was going through. And then, you know, I just was like, Angela, you're in Vegas. You're living an amazing life. You have your team coming in. We have a cabana rented for tomorrow. I'm super excited. We're going to hang out. You don't have to move. You don't have to walk. It's all good. Your team will be here. They'll help carry you. we will be good. And I was like, what are you choosing to focus on? And, you know, are you choosing to focus on the, the tough parts, or am I choosing to focus on the good parts? And I just like made a shift, a mental shift. And I decided, once again, I decided, decided to focus on the good, the good parts. And instead of being focused on, you know, the, the weak parts and just like, this is just how it is. Sometimes I have to say no to something. Sometimes I, you know, can't do everything mentally I want to do because physically I can't do it. Um, and that's okay. You know, because in those moments of being quiet is normally when I find peace. And, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily have those opportunities if it wasn't that my body makes me slow down and forces me to be quiet and forces me to take time by myself or to take naps or to take that stuff. Cause I never used to do any of that stuff. And now I, I can't not. So, you know, in the weakness is where we find our strength. And if we didn't have those weaknesses, whatever they are, we wouldn't be as strong. I, I, you know, I always say diamonds are made in fire. And without fire, they never become diamonds. They're just coal. So without fire, we don't become diamonds. We're just coal. 
Um, by the way, we need coal. So if you're coal, that's okay. But um, <laughs> we need coal to make, you know, heat stuff up and all that kind of good stuff. But, you know, it is through the heat and it is through the struggles that we become stronger. So I just try to always remind myself when I have those, say, pity moments where I'm like, ha, huh, poor me, this sucks. Um, instead, I'm like, man, what are you focused on? Like, you've got an amazing life. And so you have one thing that kind of sucks. Yeah. Well, deal with it. <laughs> like, move on. Now so, you're gonna you're gonna die weird. when you hear what I'm visualizing because I'm seeing it while you're talking. You told me you're an open book, so I'm gonna do this shit. So I love it. What I'm visualizing I is I see you in that state, you know, and I uh, and I'm and it I I saw like five things. So basically, one of the things I see is is somebody on a path, you know, that they're walking on a path, and that the path that you were on that morning, if it was this morning, I don't know what morning, but you were on that path and you're walking those 13 minutes and you were really tired and the path was like rough and it just didn't feel right. But you were wa continued walking on the path and on that path, you're upset and you're crying. You're like, look where I am. This sucks. And that's what you could see. And it's, it's funny. Like um, one of the things I've, you know, through pain, I've learned that the only way out is through, you know, and the walk, you know, you never stop walking. That's a fact. I know that about you. And you already have that. And then I think about, but in that moment, I do hear you, you're badass, you're hard ass. I'm, 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 this is bad. I'm like calling you out. I hope we can cut it if you don't like. We can take like this part out. I like good. Let's bring it. All right. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're a hard ass. You won't mind me being a hard ass to you. So look, so now I think, Here's this, re this red spitfire, this chick, this little girl in there who's just like fucking tired. <gasps> I cursed. Okay. She's just tired. Okay. And then <laughs> here comes big Angela that goes, Hey, you know what? What are you focusing on? Like, you know, look what you have. And right. And then you point her out and you show her. Right. So she's like sniffles up. She gets her shit together. Right. And then she <laughs> focuses on what good. And you're like, so like cut it out. But then I'm thinking, <laughs> let's add a component. Okay. All right, you don't have to do this. This is, I believe. This is this good. Will, I'm excited. Let's do add it. so much to this. If you, in the moment, I do this to myself and I have to remind myself because I can get hard on me too. I do all the time. get hard, Not at times, like every day, but anyhow, so <laughs> daily, moment by moment. But I'm incorporating this other old philosophy from 20 years ago is that to reparent ourselves doesn't mean our parents are bad or wrong, mm -hmm. but to be the mom in the moment, like when your mom was away from your dad, she probably couldn't be the mom in the moment because she was mm -hmm. working. Right. And I'm thinking that little Angela right there. Now, I think that if it was like, Angela, you know what? Yeah, this is tough. I got you. This is a hard moment. And you know what? you got this, you're okay. And, and I love you and you're going to, you're doing really well and you can rest. See, because I think you're afraid to give yourself that lovey, lovey thing. Cause there's not any chance you're going to, you're not going to stop. So you can be like loving and kind to yourself. I can't believe I'm doing this on air. Um, but anyhow, <laughs> but I, cause I hear it and I just feel like you deserve that loving touch. You deserve it for God's sakes. Okay. So how do you feel when I say that? Do you want to kill me? No, it's just good. I'm like, yeah, totally. It's, because yeah. it's like, you know, I always say like the majority of the world is focusing on what they don't want. 
what they have and don't want, what they don't mm-hmm. like or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, and we do need to shift away, but, but if you just, I mean, you are going through an actual thing and it, you know what, who doesn't get tired like that? I get tired and I don't have a, um, something that is causing me not to be able to walk. And I feel upset and like a baby, right? I mean, I'm not saying you sound like a baby, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's just, all good. It's hard, wise. you know, and so I feel like I wonder what it would look like if in your unbelievable badass way, if you, you, you had a tenderness that you added to yourself, I think it would be amazing. Do you think, do you I, think you're hard on others because you're hard on yourself? hundred oh, percent. And, okay. um, <laughs> that's, that's a no brainer. I, I've dealt okay. with Yeah. And I, and you bring all this stuff up and this is something, um, that I am working on. Yeah. And am am getting better at like, you know, like I ordered pizza last night, which was kind of fun. Um, and you know, and and so I am doing more of of that self-love of really like and then visualizing like when I'm in those moments, not right in the moment, probably, but like pretty quick after I start to like put myself into because my biggest thing is like who would love me? That's really where I go. And then I so I I put myself in to a state and I've got where like I know he's there. I can feel this guy of my dreams. He's there. He's holding me. I'll get emotional because I can feel it. I know what you mean. And it's and it's happening. And so I put myself in that. And even in my weakness, he loves me anyway. In fact, he loves me because of it. Um, you know, I don't know if that like if that makes sense, but that's that's part of it. And so he's also gonna love me when it's when uh, when it's healed and it's not there anymore. (laughs) By the way, so (laughs) not just looking for a damsel in distress. So um but I do know that because I'm so hard on myself, I am very hard on my team sometimes. And I'm working on that because if I can't be easy on myself, how can I be easy? Like you can't love, truly love someone if you don't truly love yourself, yeah. including all your flaws, including all your weaknesses. So, um, so that's definitely something. And I mean, that's been the, the personal development journey, I guess I've been on the last four or five years, like hardcore obsessive because I know if I can't become the best version of me, I can't help my team become the best version of them. And leadership is all about influence, you know, nothing more, nothing less than the words of John, John Maxwell. And you can't influence people if they don't want to follow you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's great being, you know, badass and all of that stuff. And I, I mean, it is what it is. It is who I am on a lot of things. And a lot of people are listening to this that are this way. Cause I know you attract that too. Cause you're that way too, Allison. Um, but also like in those, those moments though, we have to be in touch with our, are not that, I mean, still be badass, but like, there's a love side. There's a, there's a kind side. There's a enjoying life side that sometimes maybe it gets overlooked. I know for me, it's something I'm definitely working on. And it's interesting because the more I get in touch with that, the more amazing my life actually gets. Yeah. So like it's connected. And yeah. I see the connection. So the more I allow instead of force, the more good things happen. Cash flow, like all of this stuff is connected to just allowing. So like the more I relax or the more I take time for myself or the more I, I mean, I know I'm never going to be like, oh, I'm just going to chill out for like a month and be gone. Um, <laughs> just not me. But like when I do take more time for myself, the results actually show up around which is yes. really, really cool yes. to see how that, you know, if you do love my little child, my little, my little Angela, little girl, I picture her now and she's, she's pretty cute actually. 
Um, and she's running around, little freckles and all. And, you know, if I can love her, then I can love my team. I can love those in my life. I can love my family. I can love my parents. And instead of being judgmental, me like, well, why aren't you? I can find the good in what they're doing instead of finding the negative. Just like if I can find the good in what I'm doing instead of finding the negative, I can pass that on. Yeah. You know, and just the concept of you knowing, like, you know, I'm I'm not like totally illuminating the thing where you said you were bad, you know, bad little girl, but like, you know, you just saying that you're cute, you know, and I picture her too. I know she's definitely like adorable, but you know, like to me, how can, I don't think there's anybody, if you even, you know, we bring up Ed Milat. If you look at Ed Milat, the thing that draws me and helps me the most that he does and Andy too, is their vulnerability. When mm-hmm. they share their difficulties, it makes us not feel so alone because there's no person on the face of this earth. I don't care who you are. I always say this. A pastor of mine used to say, it. there are people who are in need and know it. And there are people who are in need and don't know it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we are all, we all have emotionally um, difficult times. And you know what, how I think of emotion? It helps me. I think of emotion like blowing your nose or going to the bathroom. It's very simple. The emotion comes up. It's it's either a false trigger for something that's ridiculous. Your amygdala is like setting an alarm that doesn't even matter or it's actually a guide that you know something doesn't feel right, you know? And so the thing about it is that moving through it and just asking the question. Let me tell you something. This is the thing. I don't know if I'm I'm just going to go The thing, if we picture that moment when you walked far and you felt really badly, like to me as a therapist, what I do is this thing for emotional sobriety. So there's emotional drunkenness where you're like, oh my God, I hate my life. I'm a victim. Or you want to know another emotional drunkenness that a lot of us people do is we're like, oh, stop it. Grow the fudge up. You suck. Let's go. And meanwhile, shutting down such an important part of you. So emotional sobriety is this concept where we, where we, when we have an event, you have this experience and this feeling arises. And like, what we tend to do is we look for the reason for it, you know, but you went in, so you did something that was emotionally sober and you went in and you said, you know, but you heard, you know, how will I ever be loved or something like that? How will Mm -hmm. they love me? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But to me, that 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 sound in your body that's stored in your body is like probably it may even be old. Definitely is. Yeah. So what God uses, and this is what I love about this stuff, any difficulty, it illuminates. Well, who would ever love me? Or how you know that? Mm-hmm. And I could go where that probably leads. I have some ideas, but who would ever love me? Right. <laughs> and then if you get to that original moment. And you go to that vulnerable part of yourself as a little girl or whatever, and you let her tell you what she's feeling. You know, I don't believe that I could ever be loved because I'm watching my mother who's left or whatever. You know, I'm I'm watching this struggling experience. How would this, how is this ever going to work out? Whatever. I'm making that up. Mm-hmm. Making that on your life. Mm-hmm. But that moment right there is like your gift for growth. Mm-hmm. It is the part of us that gets stuck in those, like, you know, every one of us has it. I have it. I'm like, oh my God, I'm the girl who get, doesn't get shit. 
I'll work my butt off and I'll get right up to the edge. And that other person is just going to like, take it. I'm just, I'm just not that girl. But when I know it and I'm aware of it, mm-hmm. and you can stop it. Yeah. But Replace I can actually, it. no, I have something else. I got something. I got another, do- I got something good. Ready? Sure. The only context that we can grow in is a context of love and acceptance. Everything else, well, not everything, breeds more shame. So you have that moment. I'm not, I'm just not lovable. I'm just not. Now, when when it takes two to tell the truth, when that like, you know, you and I could have a conversation like, yeah, and then you just share it. But you share it in the context of being loved and understood. You already, now you grow a little bit older, more mature, right? That's what we do with our kids. We we shut them down, tell them not to feel shit. And then they don't grow out of that spot. They just shut it down and their body mm-hmm. grows, but their emotions don't. Correct. I'm total. I don't know how I got into a therapy session. It's because I love you so much. <laughs> I love it. This is fun. <laughs> Anyhow. It's a totally different podcast than I've done, but sure. We're going to start doing therapy on podcasts. I, I should like start that doing idea. That, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to... I really should do that. But anyhow, so Angela, so now tell me what's kicking up for you before I just keep going. You all right? Yeah. Where's this fun? Yeah. So now think about all these things that you overcome because that I love your vulnerability and sharing that moment. Now, right now, most people don't know how advanced you are, what you do in your life. Angela travels all over the place. She has... Uh, I mean, I don't even fully know exactly what you do. Could you describe your company? <laughs> I want to know. Tell us what you do. Um, so basically, short in form, I guess we're a broker, run a brokerage. So in the States, we partner with 150 top financial companies. In Canada, we partner with 50 of the top financial companies and basically shop around for the best option to save people money, make people money, tax shelter money, all that stuff on absolutely everything. Um And then we also obviously have an ability to recruit and build, which is where I've come into leadership. So in my agency right now, we have 42 licensed agents. Our goal is 100 by the end of this year. Um, And then obviously we've got way bigger goals down in the next five to 10 years. And so leadership has been, that's the part I really love. I mean, I love that we do to help families. We've saved people lots of money, um, help lots of families when they've gone through the roughest times. Like when I got my critical illness um, diagnosis, I had a paycheck that paid me $100,000 in insurance claim. And, you know, that kind of stuff. So we've done some amazing things to help families. The part I'm in love with is the leadership side. You know, my team, um, they're winning, they're quitting their jobs, they're coming full time, they're building agencies, they're able to travel, they're able to build this life, this amazing dream life. And um, yeah, I do. I travel all the time. So if you're into travel, this is phenomenal. Uh, We went from a brick and mortar business when, you know, the last couple of years, the world kind of went crazy. And we went to a brick and mortar from brick and mortar to an online platform. Hello, Zoom. And then that enabled us to travel and work wherever, whenever we want, as long as we have good Wi-Fi. And, um, and that's been absolutely incredible because I love to travel. I love to be on the ocean. I love to be on the beach. And now I can literally work from, from anywhere and build anywhere. And yeah, it's been absolutely, it's been crazy. You know, obviously we met people like you. We've been in you know, Arte with Ed and Andy, and that's been, you know, incredible being to their houses I'm getting to know people like that into John Maxwell's house. Um, just got offered. I'm deciding if I'm going to do it to go on a private jet with John to Paraguay. Um, like 
the opportunities that have come up in the You're last deciding. Years. Yeah, I'm deciding. Um, there's timing. I got it. Okay. See, you know, it's so funny because you start to get so many opportunities <laughs> yeah. that you're like, okay, which ones can I, which ones fit into my vision yeah. and my calling yeah. and which ones, you know, don't. Yeah. And to really be like in touch with, like I said, prayer and stuff that just like, let, let the world universe, God, whatever you believe in, but like, it just kind of works. But Love the that. opportunities that start to come in out of nowhere is kind of like I said, when I, when I can actually allow instead of force things to happen, which still go back and forth between the two. But when I actually can allow, it's amazing what comes in. That's like totally mind blowing that you have no idea like where it even came from. Because when you can allow then like, yeah, the universe opens up and things happen that are, I mean, as far as I'm concerned are nothing short of like, definitely an act of God and an act of prayer. And you're like, where did this come from? Can you explain how you allow use that as a, cause that's a cool, I love that. Allowing. Um, just kind of like, so one of the things that I've had to learn through the MS was I had to slow down. You know, I have to have naps. I have to look after myself instead of working 24 hours a day, or probably I was working like literally 20 hours a day. Um, I can't do that anymore. So I had to learn to allow, to let, like, to, to go to sleep, to have a nap. Just before this call, I had a nap. Um, and to, and that was really hard for me to be able to, like, to have to stop. Not now, that was a really good nap. But it, it took me, a, you know, it's taken me a few years to be like, okay, you have to, you have to stop. You have to take downtime. You know, I took, started taking Sundays off in 2020 because I felt led. And that was, that was, it sounds so funny because for some people they're like, well, of course I'm like, for me, that was the hardest thing ever to take Sundays off. But I knew God wanted me to take Sundays off. That's like, a great work day. <laughs> yeah. And it was just so hard for me, like yeah. appointments with people like, man, the only day I'm off work is Sunday. I'm like, well, I can't work. I'm, I'm booked on Sunday, booked doing nothing. Like, you know what I mean? But I'm booked on Sunday. Um, what other day might work for you? And it's funny because it always, there always was some other option that, you know, would work. Um, and we've, you know, it's been how many years now, three years, two years, three years, whatever. And it's great. I love my Sundays. Now they're my, like my day I still spend time with my team, but I don't do appointments with clients on a Sunday and no matter who they are, I don't care if there's a million dollar, you know, rollover, I don't care. We're not doing an appointment on a Sunday. And that was, that's part of the allowing It's part of like, and our business grew in 2020 by 167%. So I took off a day and we grew 167%. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should take the whole week off. Anyway. <laughs> Sounds yes. right. Like, but it's kind of it, it is the more I allow and step back and not try to make things happen, it, it just happens. And it's you allow it's, things to come to you, correct? Instead of like pushing forward all the time. Is that trying to make them happen? Yeah, yeah, like my whole life, and I, like I said, this is still very much of a work in progress. I, I figure by sheer work ethic, I can make my life amazing. And I've got to a certain point, I believe, by sheer work ethic. I really believe that that has been part of the thing I got was MS. That was part of my hello, sheer work ethic. So I brought everything into my life. And that was one of the things I brought into my life. Um, but now I'm <laughs> like, so all funny. right. <laughs> but now I, I can only make so much. Like, you know, I can make a six-digit income by sheer work ethic. But I don't think I can make a seven and eight and nine, ten-digit income by sheer work ethic. I need to, like, I can't work any harder than I'm working. So when my body shut down, it was like, hello, you cannot work anymore. I shut you down. 
And every time I start to try to pick up my pace and work harder again, that's when I like my body again, like I have a reminder, like, like yesterday, I was like, or yeah, yesterday. And I was like, all right, I just can't walk as much. Okay. You got like, it is what it is. Deal with it. And so it's like, okay, right. Slow down. Take your rest. You have to. And so my body just shuts me down physically, like, poof. I'm like, oh, right. And then my team now tells me the same thing because they're like, man, if you have another relapse, what are you going to do? Because I mean, the reality of MS is you have a relapse, you could have been in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. And, you know, it, it can, it can do that. And anyone could go through that. It's just that I have a reality a reminder every day. And so I'm like, oh, right, um, right. Slow down because you got to slow down in order to go fast. And so allowing and just being like, just same with like, um, like I said, I want to have a guy. So then I was on like a million dates for a while. You know, I'm like, I'll make it happen. I'll find this guy. It's gonna, I'm like, oh my gosh, there I am again. Like I'm making things happen, which does work to a degree, by the way, but it doesn't take you to the level of like a John Maxwell and Ed Milet and Andy Frisella. That is an act of allowing. You know, that is an act of enjoying the process and working toward it. Yes, working at the same time. I think it was Jenna Kucher said, when your woo matches a work, like you got to do both. You got to allow and you got to work, but you can't just like, just work. So it's that allowing that's been for me. And I think for a lot of A type, you know, personalities that obviously were listening to your podcast, that's a big thing. They make things happen. You can only make so much happen because your matter changing matter. <laughs> but when you can get away oh, from the matter it. changing matter and get into the subconscious, you know, that changing the subconscious, like the quantum field is absolutely incredible. And what can happen in that quantum field, Dr. Joe Dispenza, what can happen in that quantum field is mind blowing. Then, so like, like he says, so something I'm, I'm trying to, it's funny because I'm still trying to make the quantum work. You know, you're like, okay, <laughs> if I sit here, I'm going to make it happen. I'm like, this is not how it works. Like allowing is so like allowing. And it's so like anti whatever compared to how we've been raised of making things happen, of doing the work and all that stuff is good. You have to do it. But where the actual magic starts to happen on a massive scale is when you can get into the quantum field. And I've seen some of it. I haven't seen it to the level I know it's there. but I'm, I'm working on tapping into it more and more and more. And the more I can tap into it, the more things change. Like I'm not a billionaire. Why am I not a billionaire? All the money's out there. All the people are out there. Everything's out there. Why am I not a billionaire? Cause I'm not thinking like a billionaire, but if I can start thinking like a billionaire, I'll be a billionaire like this year. I know that it's mm-hmm. not quite thinking that big yet. So, um, or how they think, obviously I don't think like one cause I'd be one. <laughs> so, so it's all about allowing just like, I'm used to making things happen. Angela, this is fire. And I'm so glad you brought it up because you just opened the door to the quantum field just there. Cause that is the, that's everything. Yep. It's everything. And that's yep. like this whole podcast is mission awake. We are so automated. And like the concept of be what you want to become. Right. And just this whole, when you're describing, Allowing. I'm just one of the things is that when we're wanting things, we're we're always far from them. But you know what you're. What I love also so many things that you said that I love. But one of the things, so many things. The thing when you were describing 
that your body's telling you, you know, and it, I I don't know why I'm stuck on this with you. I think actually, I think it's spiritual, but I'm just going to go, I've kind of just can see it, but it's almost like this loving, like, like, come on, it's time for a nap. Come on. It's like, it's like all this, like, it may seem like, oh, it's, you know, when I walk too far with my dog and she has really short legs, she's like, and I'm like zipping all the way ahead. I'm like, oh my God, I'm like dragging my dog. But it's like to to stop and it's love, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, you, it, it's weird because we think of MS as like a bad thing, but then it's almost like, was anybody going to parent it's, you? It's to the be... best thing that's happened to me. <gasps> oh, I love that. Sounds dumb. Your your challenges are the best thing that's happened happened to us, if if we choose to use them that way, if we choose to allow them to be that, like my dog putting her down hardest thing in my life, um, I wouldn't have quit trucking when I did if it hadn't been for that. So best thing that's ever happened to me, you know, and my MS, I would not be where my business is, I would not be where my life is, I would not be on the journey I'm on without it. Um, yeah, in saying that, you still agree that those things suck. It's not like, you know, I know you kind of been through some, some pretty stuff stuff and, and it's not that those things don't suck. It's that we can use those as a catalyst. Like I said, back to diamond in a fire, it's not fun being in a freaking fire or hot, like no, but because of that, we can become diamonds. So the MS, I'm not saying, oh my gosh, go out and get it at the local grocery store. But like, (laughs) you know, it's not like I'm saying it's fun. But if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be where I'm at. I wouldn't be the cash flow I'm at. I wouldn't be it. Like I wouldn't be where I'm at. So because of that is where I'm at. So because of our toughness is because of where we're at. You know, when when those relationships that doesn't work out, you know, that divorce or, you know, all those things that people are going through right now that I'm sure are listening and dealing with health challenges, relationship challenges, whatever it is that we're we all are dealing with different things, those those things can be the catalyst to explode your life. They can also be the catalyst to destroy your life, but that's a decision and what we use. Like I said, watching when my dad, you know, went through that and what my mom decided to do because of that, you know, that, that was a catalyst she used. And I don't know if she even realizes all that, but you know, it was a catalyst she used so we can always use that. So the MS, I, like I said, I know, and that's why, like, I do believe it, you know, in, in healing and all that a hundred percent. And I, I'm just not healed yet because I'm not ready to be healed yet. Cause I haven't learned the lessons that I need to learn from it yet. Yeah, and once nice. I do, then I, then I'll be healed. And then I can learn the lessons from the healing. Yeah. But you know, I mean, there's just lessons wherever it goes. And, you know, sometimes the thing too, that I think a lot of people are listening to this and like, well, why was my, why was my baby taken from me? You know, as young, like, there's a lot of stuff out there. Maybe we don't always understand it. I know why this is here. And I've learned a lot of lessons. I know some of the struggles that people are listening to or, or having or whatever, maybe you don't know why you're having it. And maybe you'll never know until you die, to be honest. But there is a reason. And maybe it's someone else that sees your life. Like I think of some friends of mine who three of the little girls died in a tragic farming accident. And they use that to talk about God and to be there and to like, who knows whose life they changed because of that very sad occasion in their life. I'm not saying that that was a good occasion at all. But those things come into our life. What we do with them determines what happens after. Yeah, it's 100% true. And it's such a beautiful way to put it. And I think that it's just a crossroad because, 
you know, each of these tragedies that happen, like that horrifying tragedy you just mentioned, it's it has happened. So it's like it all we have is what we do afterwards, right? And and we it's like you know, when you describe the fire, I said, you know, as a Christian also, like I think, you know, refining fire. And I think that a lot of times we will stay in the fire thinking that that's like, you know, sovereign or the suffering is like a good thing. But if it's not producing any, any beauty, you know, like staying in that victim role. And it's, it's very compelling to stay there when you feel badly Mm -hmm. because you, you, you know, there's a lot of payoffs too. Like people will care for you. And, but the thing is, is that I, everything's perspective, right, Angela, like you've decided to create something out of a bad thing, you know, and I I throw out another, the scripture, you know, which is just powerful, unbelievably powerful to me, anyhow, is what, what evil or what the enemy uses for evil, God uses for good. And we can go either way, you know, it can take a person down or it can just unbelievable what it can do for everybody around you. So I am just, you know, we, we both run on strict time schedules, appointments and all of that. And we actually, I know you have an appointment after this, don't you? Pretty close soon. Yeah, Yeah, me me too. So, um, but what I want to say is I am so blown away and honored to have you on so many levels, because even though like I already loved you, like now I just feel like I learned so much about you that just little girl. Yeah, I love you like a little girl now, I swear. I'm going to like give you like lollipops when I see you. It's going to be dumb now. I'm going to bring you a binky. Like it's going to be weird. But um, no, I just, no, you're just an amazing human. And um, I wish we could have, I'm going to have, I'm going to have you on again. And all we're going to talk about is a quantum field. That's it. Cool. We're going to do that because we need to get this out to the world. This, This is important. No one is taught this. It's actual, it's criminal that we are not teaching children this. And there's a, it's a best kept secret. And I don't care, you know, can call it conspiracy theory. It is a freaking conspiracy because nobody wants us to know the power that's within us. We have mm-hmm. so much power inside. So much. Mm-hmm. And it's just wasted on mediocrity. So mm-hmm. on that note, I'm going to say, goodbye and thank oh no before we do that angela where can everybody find you because you have great services to offer that are very important and i really want you to tell them and we're going to put it in the session notes but where can they find you uh probably the easiest way to connect with me is on instagram at real angela bradford and definitely reach out about anything uh quantum field you know health challenges whatever feel free to reach out love to connect and and see if there's anything i can help um in any way, that would be super awesome. I have another question with your, your company. What is it just like, if you had to say like really fast, like 10 ways you could change somebody's life with that company, just say it. You're like, Oh no, 10. Can't think and of I'm 10. like, Oh my gosh, you're into, um, make it five. I can make it really simple yeah. in two ways. So really two ways we can change people's lives. We can teach them how to make more money. We can teach them how to save more money. Well, how come you're not teaching me that shit? <laughs> Let's stop. <laughs> what does that require? <laughs> Definitely. So yeah, really simple. Yeah. Make money, save money. Make money, save money. And learn about the quantum field. 
All right. right. Thank you, Angela. God bless you. You're a dream come true. And we're going off. Signing out. Thank you. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. I just want to say to you that we are all together a part of the mission, Mission Awake, a mission that's going to stop the mediocrity that's plaguing all of us. So if you got something here today, I ask that you would be a part of this mission and you'd share it with whoever you can. Take a screenshot of the show and share it on your Instagram. If you are looking for me, you can find me on social media platform, Instagram, Allison Answers or Logger Counseling Services. And give us a, a review and subscribe if you could to YouTube. Allison Answers. That's where you're going to get a lot of content. I drop stuff every day, goofy stuff, all different kinds of stuff. Five-minute videos that just get you moving in your day. Have a great week. See you next time.